You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Distress signal? All the way out here? From who? It's coming from Sector 6, not too far away. Looks like the fun's over. We better investigate. Right beside you, Poe. There it is. That's an old Darius G-class freighter. Looks like a pirate raid gone bad. There's a pirate ship still docked. Well, the other one got obliterated. You picking up any life signs, BB-8? You got survivors? <laughs> Several. Well, let's hope they're not the bad guys. Let's move, kid. There's a docking rail on the other side. I didn't realize the Resistance fought pirates. Listen, there are a lot of dangers out there in the galaxy. When people are in need, we help. So keep your eyes open. Broadcasting from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, Rebels and Imperials, technological terrors and fantastic creatures legends so great you won't believe them but it's true all of it so what are you waiting for strap in and get ready to make the jump with rebel cells the star wars animation podcast Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Star Wars Resistance episode Signal from Sector 6. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt, the Crankster Cranky. Hey, Mike, it's good to be back uh, recording a little earlier today. Both of us have the day off, Veterans Day, um, you know, here in America and as well as over in Canada, so... Yeah, uh, kind of different. It's kind of cool, you know, to be able to uh, record a little earlier in the day. Um, Definitely feeling pretty nice, good. Yeah. <laughs> got some, uh, got some crazy uh, news, of course, to get to. So, and yeah. and, a, and a good, I think, probably um, one of the better, best episodes of this uh, short season so far of uh, a resistance. So we'll get to all that, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah, and we'll get to all that here in a second, Mike. But for sure. Um, let's, let's, I guess we're just going to jump right into the news, Mike. Uh, yeah. Mike, uh, Iger had a, had a little meeting and came out with some huge news. Uh, <laughs> wow. What do you think, Mike? Tell us what it is. Yeah. So, um, there was an earnings call, uh, uh late last week and, uh, I, so Bob Iger was on, on the call with, uh, with, uh, Disney, uh, shareholders and, uh, and he dropped some news, a couple of things. I mean, first off. The Disney streaming service now has an official name. It's called Disney Plus. It's going to be launching sometime in late 2019. Um, and when it launches, obviously, it's going to launch with um, The Mandalorian, uh, the the final season, or at least another season. I think the final season. Pretty definitive Probably. to say the final season of Clone Wars. Um, as well as, as a whole bunch of other exclusive Disney content. Um, but, uh, but one rumor was confirmed, which is that Loki is getting a series. So all you Marvel fans out there, uh-huh. um, yeah. you're going to get a, a standalone Loki series starring Tom Hiddleston. Uh, but a big surprise, cause this wasn't, I don't think on anybody's radar. Um, we are getting another live action star Wars series starring Cassian Andor from, uh, from Rogue One, so uh, yeah, and uh, um, 
um, uh, Diego Luna is going to be returning. I lost his name for a second there. Is going to be returning <laughs> as, of course, uh, the the lead character casting Andor. So uh, that's huge news to just drop on us. On what was that? That was was that Thursday or Friday? That was Thursday, right? Thursday, yeah. Just a Thursday afternoon at at one uh, thirty uh, <laughs> our time. Yeah. Um, I saw yeah. it earlier in that day. Oh, Bob Iger's going to have an earnings call today. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, we'll probably get something. Maybe we'll get release dates for a few things or something like that. Um, maybe maybe word of when the first um, episode nine trailer is going to drop just to get people hyped and, you know, sort of help their, their uh, share prices and whatnot because that's the point of an earnings call. And uh, and instead we got we got this huge bomb dropped on us. Um, now you guys know if you're listening to this, if you're a longtime listener, you are aware. I'm not a huge huge fan of Rogue One, uh, <laughs> but yeah. of the characters in Rogue One, Cassian is definitely the most intriguing to me. Um, and so him getting his own series. I think is a, I think it's a good thing. I think I think this is a this is a positive. Um, I think one of my biggest problems with Rogue One is just sort of the lack of time to explore any characters because we have so many characters being introduced to us all at once, um, yeah. and they all have very complex and vague backstories. Cassian's is, I think, actually the most vague out of anybody because all we really learn is that. He was a spy. Um, he's been in this since he was a kid. And uh, and he's done some things he's not proud of. Stuff that uh, stuff that, that maybe uh, makes it not so easy to sleep at night. So um, this is going to, this has to be, <laughs> obviously, the, uh, the story of that stuff. Because, uh, uh, spoilers for Rogue One, but he did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it would take it, unless unless Ezra pulled him through a time portal. <laughs> he's dead. Yeah. He's definitely dead. Um, the two of them are dead. But uh, well, they're all dead. Uh, everybody died. Um, but we haven't gotten confirmation yet that K two will be back. Now, listen here. All right, listen. Look, listen. There's no way that Alan Tudyk isn't in for this. He's a hundred percent down. Alan Tudyk will do anything. He will do anything, and I like I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. He will do anything in the same way that like Nick Cage and Sam Jackson will do anything. Um, if there's a steady paycheck in it, he's he's down um, for some fun. And I also think like, come on, it's K two S O. I yeah. I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back. As K2, I think maybe they want to kind of keep that under wraps until they have something to show us. Now, here's here's the, the biggest piece of information you need to know for this series. Um, it'll go into production uh, next year, so uh, in, sometime in 2019, which means that we won't see it until at the earliest until 2020. This maybe sideways kind of confirms it definitely points in the direction of something that I think will be the case. Um, and I think that, I think that people are going to be surprised when, when this gets switched around on them. But, um, I think that the Mandalorian will be a limited series. I don't think that it will be an ongoing series. I don't think that the way that they're going to do this is going to be, um, season one, season two, season three, season four, if anything, like we're going to get, cause what do we know? We know that there's what, five episodes, six episodes, something like that. Um, because we know the directors, right? Yeah. I think it was up to eight, wasn't it? Up to if eight. You, yeah. If a couple, if a couple of directors do two episodes, do two, but, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Um, I think that'll be it. Uh, uh, for the season. I don't think, I think what we're looking at here are, longer movies um and i think that that's the way that disney is going to approach the production on these i mm. i so really it's sort of the the tv miniseries comeback i think yeah. and and i think you can look at at, 
at the Netflix Marvel model as sort of their testing ground on that. I think the biggest piece of feedback that anybody has for any of those Marvel series is like 13 episodes, maybe not 10 episodes, probably pretty good. And you look at Netflix's model with their own original productions like Stranger Things and and a few other things. Uh, 10 episodes, I think, is actually the sweet spot. I think 10 hour-long episodes is exactly as many as you need for any for any heavily serialized dramatic series. So I think that what we will get is we'll get 8 to 10 episodes of The Mandalorian and then 8 to 10 episodes of the Cassian series. And then... And here's where I think that people will be surprised. Eight to ten episodes of the 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 Benioff and Weiss series, uh, and then maybe we'll cycle back around to something to continue a story with one of those other characters. Hmm. But I don't think that what we're getting it's this is not traditional TV. I don't think that we're getting franchise series. I think that this is the new approach for Star Wars stories. And I think that what they'll do is they will put out a mainline saga film every two years and they will put these shows on on their streaming service mm. um, every probably I I would bet that the, the production schedule that we're ramping up towards is two a year. Um, and that way, between that and the animation and uh, and anything else that might be coming there's always something to talk about. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's their strategy moving forward. And I think that that, that is a smart strategy. I think that that's something that I can get behind. Um, it, that really works for me. I, I, but we'll see what ends up coming from this. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about before? Because I do have one other piece of news that I want to talk about before we jump into the episode. That's actually Star Wars Resistance related. But before we do that, what um, what do you think about this? Yeah, I, I think if uh, you follow me on Twitter, you kind of know my first reactions so far have been not. Um, how should I put it? I just haven't been that excited about it. Um, like if if you know Marvel or Disney came to me and goes, hey. Uh, we're going to do a limited series or, or a 10 episode saga or something like that on, on the TV series on the TV network. Yeah. Um, we have all these characters. I think Cassian would have been, you know, around 247 on my list of <laughs> characters. And I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious there. But the reason I say that is because I don't know. I just it's just I don't know what it is about that character. And I was interested to hear your take because I know you weren't you're not a Rogue One fan. And to see a character from Rogue One. um come into his own series like wow that's an interesting choice of character i mean we obviously know where he ends um so this story has got to be sometime in the time of the emerging empire um and i think you said it too mike about Mm -hmm. it's more for me not necessarily about cassian but like who else is going to be in this series and you talked about k2so um you know and some other things that just popped in my head was like saw guerrera and you know maybe some people from the empire like krennic i don't know if they would do that um callus maybe or i'm trying to think of just people in the uh characters in some of the animated stuff that could possibly show up here so there was a bunch of characters that were running through my mind and i think that's more intriguing to me than i'm just not a big i'm just i'm just not excited about this right now but i'll say this with saying that i'll say this um of course this is disney and this is uh you know they've been doing a fantastic job so far um we'll see who's doing this who's writing this once we get some of that going and i and i will come on any show and eat my words Hmm. if the show comes out to be something good because obviously this is a star wars thing i'm gonna watch it i'll be there for i said this on twitter too i'll be the first night i'll be there opening debut whatever that is watching this series and if this thing knocks it out of the park Hey, I'm going to be the first one to go, man, I was totally wrong yeah. about this. You know what I mean? I just on the surface right now, I'm just not super excited about a Cassian Andor series. So like I said, mm-hmm. I will eat my words if it comes out and they just blow me away. And that's what I'm, you know, hey, it's kind of like a, a thing that I said. It's like, hey, change my mind, Disney. If I'm thinking this, blow me out of the water and, and hit me in and I'll be the first one to say I was wrong. So 
Um, but but here's another thing too, Mike. You said Diego Luna coming back. I mean, that's pretty huge to yeah. have someone on his. He's kind of like a rising star now, and to see him actually come back and do this is really cool. Um, and I got to pay attention to more of these earnings calls, I guess, because it seems like the last few uh, some serious stuff has dropped from these earnings calls. So watch those out. But yeah, you know, Cassidy Andor um, is he uh, one of the fulcrums? I mean, that's been thrown around as well. Um, we know that's kind of a big thing. And then Rebels, we saw that Ahsoka was a fulcrum and a few other fulcrums that were going around. So, um, yeah, it's it's I'm not excited now, but I'm willing to have my mind changed. No problem at all. Let's see what happens with Disney coming through. So that's kind of like my first initial reaction. I can't I, I kind of like to I kind of threw that out there on Twitter to, to have other people come to me and go, hey, this is what they can do. Or this is this or this story element or these people can come yeah. in. So. I was open to uh, anybody just saying, if you're excited, tell me why, you know, what do you think could happen with this to make it, and we'll see what happens. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, you know, like I said, we'll see. Any any other thoughts, Mike? You were going to say something else? No, no. I mean, like, oh, okay. I, I totally get where you're coming from based on, like, like I said, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Rogue One movie, yeah, but, and right. based on that reading of this character, I can totally see how somebody would be like, I am not that interested in this show. That said, I think the, the thing that makes it interesting to me is that we're going to get something, uh, an aspect of star Wars that, that we've not gotten before. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and that's this like sort of spy intrigue element. And I'll take it back to, one of my favorite elements of the prequels of the films, and that is Obi-Wan's storyline in Attack of the Clones. One of the reasons why I like Attack of the Clones and why I'll always defend it. The Anakin and Padme stuff is a little overwrought and, and melodramatic and and poorly paced and edited and written, but I, <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. problems with it. Yeah. That said... Uh, the action sequences in Attack of the Clones and Obi-Wan's storyline totally make up for it. Now, it is my second... Well, I guess it's like my third. I don't know. I'd have to redo my rankings because now we got... <laughs> now we have all these yeah. these solo movies. Uh, uh, standalone movies. Sorry, not solo. We only have one solo movie. But um, all these standalone movies to, to throw in there as well. And what? how is that ranking going to work when we start getting series like the Mandalorian and this yeah, case and Andor thing, right. but yeah, um, yeah. that that's what I see this being like. I think, I feel like it's going to be like galactic intergalactic, you know, intrigue, mm -hmm. not intergalactic galactic. Cause there's only one galaxy in the galaxy far, far away. But I, I, I think that it's going to be like a, if if Obi-Wan's story in Attack of the Clones is a film noir mystery, then this is sort of the evolution of that into like a James Bond slash Mission Impossible type mm -hmm. of suspense thriller sort of uh spy movie. Um and I and and to me like that I don't know, I, I think that there's room for Cassian's character to get interesting there um mm -hmm. yeah so i'm i yeah, am definitely cool. i'm definitely down for that i'm down for exploring this period that said i'm also sick and tired of the period between three and four um <laughs> yeah i remember you saying that too i was like yeah I, i'm totally on board with you there for sure but it is yeah. this is kind of playing into what i've been talking about on the last couple of episodes and we're going to talk about in this next news piece um the sequel era is a no-fly zone, right? There have been a handful of stories, but for the most part, these series aren't allowed to play in that area. And um, and I think that that's, that's for good reason. I think that they only want either uh, main characters or characters that are going to be important to the larger story. Um, showing up in these in these eras uh, or in this era I should say and um, you can see that kind of coming to fruition with Star Wars Resistance and sort of pointing in that direction because 
we got a very interesting comment on uh, on a, the resistance rewind from this past weekend where i think it was justin ridge said that the events of star wars resistance because they're six months out from the force awakens mm-hmm. at a certain point resistance will start to actually line up and play into the events oh. in the films which is exactly right. what i said last week Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad that that is the direction that we're going. I think that that 100% supports, if not confirms what I said about the series last week, which is that the reason why it's falling flat for some viewers is because they've been given a very specific, keep this on the Colossus, keep it small, keep it personal. Don't these characters can't affect the larger galaxy. And, um, and I think when you look back at star Wars rebels, you'll see that that was fairly true for season one. And yet at the same time, they were, I, those characters were definitely like pinging the radar of the Mm -hmm. larger galaxy in season one. Yeah. Star Wars Resistance, we haven't done that yet. And we are now halfway through the season, um, at least. Uh, and so that like that says to me that, like, okay, we're not going to get – I don't think we're going to get the big – that big moment this season on this series. Um, I, think, I think that we're going to get the big moment towards the beginning of season or at in, in the beginning of season two, I think whatever mm-hmm. we set up in the season finale of season one will lead into season two and season two will start. I think either with, let me, let me, let me f- see where I put this. It'll either start with the, the star killer base, um, destroying the new Republic. Okay. Or, yeah. or it'll start with star killer base being destroyed in mm. either case. We're talking about within, um, I was explaining this to crystal the other day. If we break down, this is what's going to be really interesting about it. We don't know how, what the gap is between episode eight and nine yet. I I'm guessing that it's going to be a significant gap. It'll be like the gap between episode, uh, one and episode two. Um, if not at least like the gap between two and three, which is a five year gap. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, the gap between seven and eight is non-existent. (laughs) I, I saw those movies back to back (laughs) in the theater Mm -hmm. and eight is like, is, is seven part two. Like, like it is, (laughs) it is the truest sequel in star Wars. Um, and when you really break it down, which we're going to, let's do it. Let's break it down right now. Uh, the Force Awakens opens with Poe in the evening in the village in ja- on Jakku, right? Jakku. Right, He's right. captured by po- uh, by uh, uh, mm-hmm. Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. taken up to the finalizer. Finn has his experience. BB-8 goes off into the desert, right? Right. Over the course of the next day, Poe Dameron is uh, tortured, right? And then I, I, towards the evening of that day, BB-8 is found by Ray. I know I can con- like I'll confirm that that is a full day because uh, BB-8 has two separate adventures between. Um, between the 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 last time that we see him on it, that evening on Jakku, and then when we see him in the evening, meeting Ray, which is right before bed. We also know that Ray is out scavenging during the day. BB-8 has two separate adventures. One is in um, let me think about this. One is in I I oh, what's it called? BB-8 on a roll or something like that. And then there's another. There's another book um, that that has a BB-8 story, 
and they both they both sort of have an adventure of him from the time that evening until then um and then that evening uh poe and finn escape from the finalizer and are shot down and crash right Finn wakes the up the day. next morning. Poe wakes up that evening and goes into town, gets out of town, right? Before b- before anything. Like like Poe is is like out of there so fast. Gone, yeah. Um yeah. but Finn is is in town the next morning after Ray and BB8 have had another two adventures in The Forces of Destiny, right? And then mm-hmm. they make it into uh, Tanima Outpost. Those two characters meet up. So we're talking about that's already that's two days, or I should say only two days, right? And then the the next period of the movie between them hooking up, meeting Han Solo, going to Takadana, Ray gets captured. Let's call that another day. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, uh, the Resistance launches their rescue attempt slash I uh, I uh, uh, attack like their the 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 assault on the shield and then uh and then on Starkiller base itself all of that happens movie ends okay everybody's good we escape that goes into the evening on Starkiller base so that's another day so we're talking about now four days is the is the total time of the force awakens they get back to the resistance base let's let's be generous okay like let's be super generous and say they get back to the base it takes some time for ro to get for ro to to ray to get her new outfit right um and and finn has been in his healing thing or whatever for a little bit right so let's give them yeah. a week for that to happen for them to sort of but that's not that can't be possible because if Ray was there for longer than a day or two, she definitely would have met Poe Dameron, which she doesn't because she doesn't meet right. Poe until the end of The Last Jedi. So to me, it's like she gets there, changes her clothes, makes sure that Finn is okay, and gets on the Falcon with Chewie, and they immediately leave to get Luke Skywalker. Right? right? Like exactly. that happens yeah. within 24 hours of her being rescued from right. Starkiller Base by Chewie and Finn. So then then we get into The Last Jedi, and if you tell me that The Last Jedi takes course over longer than three days, I'll slap you right in the face because there's no <laughs> way that that story takes place over longer than three days. I think that, like, um, well, actually, no, we even know, don't we? Because we have a ticking clock. It doesn't. It doesn't even. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like yeah, less it's than a day. Hours. It's yeah. hours. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's less than a day, right? Right. Yeah. So. Even if you like say like okay, there's a bit of time between when Ray leaves. Like let's say that Ray arriving on on Octo isn't necessarily synchronous with where it appears in the movie, and that actually happens like instantaneously after the end of the Force Awakens, and the Resistance takes a little bit of time to get all their stuff together. So they've got at least a day, maybe two, right? We're talking about the events of. The Force Awakens and the Last Jedi taking place within a week, mm-hmm. like like oh, easily, yeah, easily within a week, yeah, maybe less. Yeah. So if Star Wars Resistance lines up with the movies, it is going to logically hit the hit the Force Awakens, and then take place in like I would say probably over the course of like a season premiere and then we're going to be into the era between eight and nine nine, and then all of a sudden resistance goes from being star wars rebels to being the clone wars yeah (laughs) yeah where you have a lot of time in between yeah and what's that gonna mean for the stories with these characters and Mm. i mean like i honestly i firmly believe that that we're kind of getting this weird, slow, comedic setup so that we can get to know these characters. And then these characters, um, the aces are going to be a squadron within the resistance fighting the first order between 
eight and nine. Eight nine. Yeah, All alongside sure. characters like Poe and Jess Pava and Snap Wexley and like and we're gonna see some of those other characters come in. I wouldn't be surprised if we also saw some characters from Battlefront two make an appearance. Mm. Um because if you've played the Battlefront two uh, uh, uh what is it, Resurrection storyline, uh is that what it's called? I just, I don't know. I, the I've second there's the like whole... the DLC, right? Because there's the main story that okay. takes place uh between six and seven, and then there is then there's a story that is like literally well, I should say the story that takes place, it takes place like immediately after six. Um, it's sort of in that shattered empire era. And then there's the DLC, which is like the, the, the second storyline, which is very short, but takes place right before, uh, seven. Um, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, I think that it might even lead into seven. Um, I think that, I think maybe I think it ends with the assault on Starkiller base. Like, I think like that is happening elsewhere in the galaxy while you're doing your thing. Um, and it's almost an explanation for why major parts of the first order aren't involved in that battle. Um, cause they're off involved in another fight. So, um, several other fights actually, I should say. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if some characters from that second part of battlefront, don't make it into like, so that would be Inferno squadron um, that they, if they don't join the resistance and, and end up as part of, although they might be saving that for battlefront three um, who knows. Right. But yeah, I mean right. like that would be logical, but the, the fact that some of those characters are, those aren't on screen characters. Those are voice acted characters means that they're perfect for animation. They're perfect to show up in star Wars resistance. So I, I, I think I'm holding out hope that resistance is going to go through a season two and three transformation and become a very different show from, from what it is right now. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that this episode that we're about to talk about is a good indicator of what some of that might be. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you said uh, it opened with it, resistance lining up with the movies. And I know we had talked about this before with like the Clone Wars and yeah. especially this new season we're going to get on the streaming service. You know, we, we had theorized before about it possibly lining up with, the events of Revenge of the Sith. Uh, we've talked about that before. And, and this resistance lining up is a totally, I think the um, what you just laid out there makes perfect sense because you get past, like you said, episodes seven and eight, and you have this, what we all agree, what we think is going to be a pretty significant time jump to nine. If this series, Resistance, makes its way and lines up with the movies, and like you said, Mike, we can get to that after episode eight area where it's going to be, I mean, I guess you could have this series go on for four or five seasons if you wanted to, if that's what they were looking at yeah. going by the timeline. So that, man, it makes a lot of sense right there. And I'm all for it. I, lo- I, I would love to see a series kind of parallel the saga films and see like, what are they doing uh, on, you know, the timeline. Oh, you guys are up here. Here's the main saga. And you have these jumps off on the timeline of, you know, what's the resistance doing? How are they involved in this overall huge conflict? So that is something that I've always liked to see. I'm glad that they're going to actually do that. So I'm looking forward to that. See where they go. I think your, your analysis is right on though. I mean, that's totally plausible where we can be going, uh, especially that period, like you said, between eight and nine. So looking forward to to see where they go, but we, we don't know. I mean, who knows how far this series is going to go? Is it going five seasons, two, three, it's totally up in the air right now. And I, I don't know how they're going to decide that. I mean, is it is it decided by what is the, you know, what is the numbers as far as uh, Disney? I mean, how's it doing? Are people watching it? Is that how they're going to decide? Or are they just going to go, you know what, we don't care what the numbers are. This is the story we want to tell, and we're going to do it no matter what. I don't know how that works out. I don't know how they look at animated stuff like this on a Disney channel. Do they care about how it's doing, you know, if mm-hmm. it's doing well? You know, I, I don't know. So um, it's just kind of one of those wait and see kind of things. But uh, I don't know. Any uh, Anything else, Mike, that's going on that you want to talk about? 
No, you know, I think that's it. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think that it's it it's interesting to to consider what the what the goal of something like Star Wars Resistance is. Um, I think it's actually really important. I think there are moments in tonight's episode that absolutely uh, I, I confirm that the point of this series is to draw in a younger audience. Poe, yeah. they really avoid the violence. Um, I, I said this a little while ago. I, I don't remember what episode. I think like the second or third episode of Resistance. Um, Kaz doesn't carry a weapon. Right. Right. And I, I think that that's actually a really important distinction about the character in this episode. It's very noticeable because Poe has a blaster and Kaz doesn't. Kaz has a flashlight. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a very interesting approach. Um, I don't know how long they can sustain that. It's still star Wars resistance. Um, I don't know how long they can keep Kaz's hands clean. So far, they've kept them pretty clean. He hasn't. Oh, yeah. He hasn't. He hasn't actively killed anybody. This week's episode that's kind of debatable, but he hasn't fired a shot right. to kill. Um, well, he's fired a shot to kill, but he hasn't fired a shot that's connected and killed. I don't think. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. Yeah, no, because so. he's never picked up a blaster rifle, no, blaster not pistol, yeah. anything like that. He's only ever been running. The only other time that he's been uh, a lethal threat to anybody was when he was in his X-Wing at the beginning of the series. And he only wings uh, Von Reg's ship, right? So, mm-hmm. so, like, I just, I don't know how long they can maintain that element of the character, but I guess we'll see. Um, well, in this episode, you know, during the flight sequences, which we'll talk about, yeah. someone is killed, but it's not necessarily from him no. blasting them. It's no. just, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But so, later. So. Yeah. Let's get, let's jump into the episode and we'll start talking about this stuff because there's actually a lot of cool stuff to talk about in this episode. So. All right. Let's, uh, let's do it. Calculate the jump, Chop. <laughs> I can help you. I am Boba Fett. What was that? What was what? The throwing and the falling. Over there. Don't think about it. Kenobi. Ahsoka! Kenobi! Hand it over, Ewok. No! So you mean to tell me you were staging a rescue, not attempting to hijack a Jedi starship? You're welcome! Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Episode Recap. All right, here we go. Signal from Sector 6, written by Brandon Allman, directed by Justin Graves and Sergio Paez. And it starts off, Yeager wakes Kaz extra early, much to the young pilot's dismay for a salvaging job. When they arrive at their destination, however, Kaz is surprised to find that there is no work contract rather yeager has taken the young pilot to a secret meeting with poe dameron himself uh moreover poe brought an extra x-wing with him just for kaz and before you hit the next uh paragraph mike i gotta say um it's this first opening i really here's the thing first of all what every teenager wants when adults wake you up they want that five extra minutes right i mean my kids have done it i mean i'm sure your uh, daughter maybe someday will probably do the same thing. Maybe oh, she, she already does. She already does. <laughs> right? It's just like it's just. I mean, that's a getting that's a pretty good getting her to me. go to bed is impossible. <laughs> getting her out of bed is equally impossible. It's yeah, isn't it? Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's so annoying. But uh, yeah, Kaz, you know, he's got a salvaging job, so so he thinks. But uh, like it says here, Kaz flies with Yeager and BB-8, and in comes that that familiar sound, that sound that I love, the sound of the twin engines of the X-Wing uh, flying up and uh, the famous X-Wing, of course. Um, and here's Poe says, did you miss me? And Cass uh, kind of goes, yeah, yeah, you, you know I did. And then he, was, he was talking to BB-8. It was kind of a funny, funny scene here. But, man, I tell you what, just the 
that sound of the X-Wings, him bringing, uh, him bringing Kaz, like, kind of quote, his X-Wing, it's a red one. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be his, but uh, or he's just borrowing it. But, yeah, definitely like his X-Wing. Really cool opening scene and, and Poe coming in. Uh, something that I, I kind of enjoyed was just hearing that sound, too. What, any thoughts before we go, Mike, on the next yeah, I mean, I I loved it. Um, I loved I loved a couple of things about this this opening um, quite a bit. I didn't like how long it took us to get to the point. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was a lot of wasted screen time. But yeah. uh, I feel like I I Clone Wars or Rebels would have started us on the the transport. We wouldn't mm-hmm. have had the wake up thing. But they have said a couple of times now that this is this series is meant to be a comedy. It's meant to be funny. It's 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 geared for a younger audience. So you know they had a couple of jokes they wanted to do, so they did them. Banging his head on the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to always enjoy that stuff if I ever enjoy that stuff, but it is there. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But seeing those X wings, I seeing the T seventy, uh, which is uh, the the Resistance X wing, seeing the T seventy in the red deco for the first time um, yeah. on screen yeah. was a very, very cool thing that, that I really liked. Um, I do hope that, that the, the, that the red T 70 um, is the, the, whatever they end up calling them. If they're, if they're the ACE squadron or they're the Colossus squadron or whatever they end up being just maybe the aces. But um, when all of them get into X wings, at the end of the season, I'm guessing. Uh, I hope that they're all in red ones, and it's actually not red. It's it's um it's actually Republic Burgundy, which Burgundy, I, I was gonna say, Burgundy, which yeah. I think yeah. is really cool. But it definitely it's closer to the um the the Rebel Red X Wing than we've seen um since since the original trilogy. So uh, because in Star Wars Rebels, they were actually Green Squadron, and those X-Wings had green markings on them. And the reason why we never saw any green X-Wings at the Battle of Yavin is because they were all destroyed on Lothal. Destroyed. <laughs> and yeah. the reason why we yeah. never saw any blue X-Wings is because Blue Squadron was all destroyed at um, at Scarif. Scarif. And that's yeah. why there's only red X-Wings. There's just Red Squadron and Gold Squadron left for the Battle of Yavin. Um, mm. Can you imagine? <laughs> Jeez. If they hadn't lost two squadrons within a couple months of that battle, yeah. actually a couple huh. minutes, yeah. uh, like a couple days of that battle, um, yeah. uh, in the case of Blue Squadron, but um, uh, yeah, I but yeah, I loved this deco. I loved it's actually it, what's really cool about it because I'm looking at it right now. I've got it on screen. Is that there's actually some white paint mixed in with it. Um, the T70s that that uh poe and black squadron use are straight up gray and blue um mm-hmm. there's not there's not really a lot of variety to it there's a few like darker gray markings on them but um and i think maybe there's a there's a couple of splashes of yellow um on on the on the gray and blue ones poses obviously black leader is is black and orange right, mm-hmm. right. but um but but Kaz's X-wing actually has some white markings as well, and his wings are marked with two red hashes and three white hashes. So those those hashes on the wings actually note um, the the call sign. Um, so his would be red too, if if they if it was under a red call sign. Um, mm-hmm. I would guess that's what I would guess right. it would be, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I hope that we get to see more of these. I hope that we get to see lots more X-Wings, um, mm-hmm. just yeah. in general, well, because the X-Wing is the coolest starfighter oh, in all of Star Wars. Definitely. Um, definitely. Certainly the most iconic X-Wings and TIE Fighters, right? I mean, yeah, definitely. There isn't a well, video game called Y-Wing and TIE Interceptor, <laughs> right? Right. You got it. You got it. Hey, and this this X wing that uh, that Kaz gets it comes with its own droid. He's got CB twenty three on yeah. board to help him out. A female droid that kind of takes a liking to BB eight towards the end of this episode. But uh, yeah. and, and the only other thing I mentioned too about this beginning was 
um, as they leave uh, the atmosphere, uh, the yeah. shot of, like I said, the shot of Poe and Kaz leaving the atmosphere. I mean, such a great visual. Uh, kind of harkens back to some of the stuff we've seen in the saga, original trilogy stuff. Just a great visual as those two uh, fly off yeah. out of the atmosphere. Yeah, the, the Colossus at sunrise and the um, the visuals of them flying above the clouds yeah. uh, were phenomenal. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this show some of the stuff that happens on the ship as well. Um, for all the things that, that I can fault the show for the visuals are not one of them. I, I mean, like, yeah. I think that visually this show is just phenomenal. Um, right. especially the environment stuff is just so good, but, yeah. uh, yeah, here I'll continue here. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Poe and Kaz discuss re- recent developments on the Colossus, but they also have some fun. Dameron teaches Kaz a backwards tail slide, which the boy can't quite master. They soon pick up a distress beacon, however, and find a freighter decimated by a pirate attack. Detecting life signs, they dock and enter the ship. Uh, So these are the same pirates that we saw a couple weeks ago on the Colossus. Um, They're uh, they're out out here in Sector Six, and uh, and and they're up to no good. So yeah, Um, Poe says, you know, like we're gonna we're we're the resistance. We help people in need. It's mm-hmm. so I think that's the this is like the key distinction between the resistance and the first order is that the first order is only concerned with its mandate, with its with its um, directive, with its uh, plans for domination. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the resistance gets sidetracked because not only are they fighting against the first order, they're just fighting against injustice and just, you know, helping people in need all across the galaxy all the time. So that's going to kind of stretch you thin um, because there's a lot of bad guys in the galaxy, as we know, from many, Mm -hmm. many hours of watching Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the the thing that that struck me on this particular scene, uh, which I really love too, was um, just the fact that Poe is cool enough to, he goes, he's talking to Kaz, he goes, you know what, let's just fly. Let's just come up here and, and, and just fly because that's something that Kaz has been wanting to do. And I think Poe obviously recognizes that. And he's taking this kid under his wing. And he goes, let's just fly, dude. And and, and then they come up to this uh, asteroid field. You're like, all right, here we go. And then Poe is kind of teaching him, you know, his tricks. I thought he was – I thought for a second there when he said the backside uh, tail slide, I thought that was the move that he does in the beginning of um, uh, The Last Jedi. I thought he was going to teach yeah, him that one. I thought so, too. Him- yeah, but he teaches them a different one, which is equally as cool. But it's just cool to see Poe is obviously a, a master pilot, him doing his thing, teaching Kaz. And and the last thing I'll say is I just, I'm just i just blown away by the, the fact that Oscar, Oscar Isaac is lending his voice to, to this character. I mean, in this episode, I mean, he was a huge part of this episode. It wasn't just, you know, Phasma where she puts one line in and she's gone for the rest of the episode. I mean, he was in this thing for the whole thing and for him to do that like i don't know i, I don't know how often you see this because i'm not a huge animation guy i just watch star wars so i don't know how how big this is as far as other animation stuff goes but to me it seems like a huge deal that this guy would take the time to do a series and this is not on the level of say clone wars or even even um rebels i mean this is like you know everybody's gonna say it's a kid show but we all star wars fans kind of like to watch it but just the fact that he's doing that, man, I just I really think that's really cool of him to do that. So I just wanted to say that, like, that kind of blows me away that he would do that. This is not a, like something. This is a huge actor now. I mean, this guy is a list type stuff now. The stuff oh, that he's yeah. done, you know what I mean? So it's not. This is this yeah. is pretty big. So I'm kind of I'm really uh, Oscar really Isaac is a few years away from winning an Academy Award. <laughs> like yeah, sure. he yeah, is, yeah. like I I think that you know like he's got to hit the right role at the right time to do it. But I do think that, um, that that's definitely something that's, that's going to happen for him mm-hmm. at some point. And, uh, and that's like, that's a big deal that he would slum it with us here on star Wars animation. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but he also like, he owns this character of, of Poe Dameron. And I think that yeah. it's, it's very similar to some of the other actors. It's very similar. I think to Anthony Daniels, um, who he's like Anthony Daniels is always saying like, look, if anybody's going to play C-3PO, it's going to be me. Right. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that that you know it's a slightly different scale because Anthony Daniels never really did anything other than Star Wars of, of note. Um, but uh, but Oscar Isaac is obviously out there doing very big movies um, and and getting quite a bit of acclaim. But at the same time. I think for him, he's like, it's a VO record for one, two, maybe three episodes in a season. It's like, it's an hour in a booth for him, maybe two, right? Like it's a day's worth of work for him to come in and knock out these lines and then go. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think they, from his perspective, it's like, we'll just do it. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Where, where other people or other bigger, you know, stars of his caliber might go, you know, it's, like you just said, it's an hour of my time. I don't really need, think I need to do that. Just have someone come and voice match me. But no, he's he's just like, yeah, what the heck, you know, let's, let's go and do it. So I think that's just super cool that he does that. Um, I'll continue. The craft's corridors are silent and dark. They move carefully looking for survivors. It appears they're alone at first. In the distance, something big and loud grabs fleeing, uh, fleeing passengers their screams silently quick, silence quickly. Poe and Cass proceed, unsure of what loose is in the, uh, what it, what's loose in the ship and what it might strike. If that wasn't enough to worry about, they're soon attacked by a Kowakian monkey lizards. Eventually, they chase the troublemaking critters off. So at first, I didn't know that you know what was going on. There's this big thing that comes out, and my first instinct is, you know, even what Poe says, he talks about, is it a is it a Rathtar? Is it a Neku? Or I think he says no. Rathtar, he says um, a couple other things that he thought it oh, might shoot, shoot. be. What is like it? a Niku or a. It's a. Uh, uh, he says Rathtar. He says Reek. What's the other thing Reek. That he says? Yeah, Reek. And there's something Gundark. else he says. Gundark. Gundark. It's yeah. a, I don't know. Rathtar, Gundark, Reek. And I was like, it, there's no way that it's a Reek. Yeah. And there's no way that it's a Rathtar. <laughs> it doesn't have tentacles. Like, it, it, yeah. it's very clearly something other than those two things. But. Yeah, That's okay. definitely. I, I, at first, I didn't know because I didn't see. It was hard kind of to see what what was that. I thought it might have been a tentacle. It was hard to kind of make it out. Ultimately, we find out it wasn't. But the Kowakian monkey lizards that make their appearance in this particular series, uh, always kind of like those goofy, you know, we've seen them in, in Return of the Jedi eating uh, C-3PO's eyeball out. Uh, we've seen them in Rebels. We've seen them in Clone Did we see them in Rebels? I know we've seen them with, with um, Hondo. I, uh, I'm probably actually in both. So we've seen these things around a lot, um, and I had no idea what we were in store for. I didn't realize these things got as big as they did, but we'll get there uh, in a second, Mike. Uh, you want to you want to take the uh, next one? Uh, yeah, here where we were at, finally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Finally, Kaz's BB unit, CB-23, finds the source of its life scans, a passenger, unconscious and hiding in a crate. I bet she locked herself in here to escape that thing, Kaz says to Poe. He lifts her out and carries her, but they don't get far. Something is waiting at the blast door. Uh, it's a Kowakian ape. Here we go. The giant beast chases our heroes, crackling like its smaller cousins. The creature is relentless. Poe's blast barely slowing it. Still, they manage to get back to their X-wings, narrowly escaping the monstrous ape. So I had no idea that we were. Uh, this was something uh, obviously new to me. This Kowakian, just like in you know, you have uh, chimpanzees, you have apes and monkeys and all that. Here we go. We got the Kowakian. A huge creature. It was kind of funny. So I saw a meme out, not a meme, but I saw somebody kind of uh, relaying it to um, like the uh, the gremlins when after they uh, go bad. It <laughs> yeah, kind of looked, it kind of looks like a like the bad the gremlins or whatever. It's kind of funny, but yeah, uh, new kind of a new species here, Mike. Deadly, uh, obviously deadly and blast. Uh, Poe was like shooting this thing, wasn't making a bit of difference. So this thing yeah. is uh, definitely. Something uh, not to be messed with. Uh, what do you think about the Kowakian uh, ape there, Mike? What do you think? Yeah, I I love it. Um, I I love that it's sort of a, a play on yeah, like like uh, monkey versus gorilla, right? Yeah. And um, <laughs> I love that uh, I, I there the 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 gremlins analogy is really great. I feel like the Kowakian monkey lizards were definitely they definitely had sort of like a a, a gremlin sort of element yeah, to them for sure um in this yeah. episode and it, that was really great but uh yeah i mean i i loved it i i thought that this was a really cool uh way to be familiar with the star wars universe but also to give us something completely new um 
Yeah, and just it's just a good chase. Like it's just it's fun. Yeah. The the pace of this episode's really good. And I think that's what's last week's episode and this week's episode, I think both managed mm-hmm. to find that that part of the rhythm. Um yeah. and and start to have a proper pace to the episodes. Um, yeah. yeah. We get we also get introduced to this um female life form, we're not exactly sure at this point who she is and what's going on. So there's kind of a little bit of intrigue here. Like, Hey, okay. What, who is she is, uh, why is she there? What's going on? Why is she hiding? And, uh, I didn't know if we, I actually, at this point, I didn't know if we were getting answers. I thought it was something that they might kind of tease us with and we'll get later on. But, uh, we actually get, uh, her purpose in this episode, uh, coming up here. Go ahead, Mike. You want to keep going? Uh, yeah, uh, but it's not smooth sailing back home as Poe and Kaz find pirates waiting. Thanks to his somewhat customized version of Poe's trick, Kaz bests a pursuing foe and they finally return to Yeager's ship. So this is the, this is, we, we get, finally get a little bit of action in a starfight. Yeah. Because we had a bit of fun at the beginning of the episode, but now we get to see some actual, uh, uh, uh heroics and right. um dog fighting yeah yeah poe mm-hmm. manages to take one out um but uh but kaz isn't having as much luck and he decides to try the the backside <laughs> tail slide um, there it is again and he does it and it kicks up a bunch of dust on one of the asteroids and and the pirate ends up careening into it um yeah and not right. not clearing it and uh and exploding so um and then, and then the rest of the pirates peel off, right? But right. I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, so, so this is, like you said, this is the only time that we've seen Poe do, or sorry, not Poe, uh, Kaz do any actual damage uh, in the series so far. Um, right. And uh, I, like, I just don't know how much longer he can kind of get away on technicalities, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> so that was, you're, uh, yeah. you're, you're fighting yeah. in a war. Uh-huh. You got to get your hands dirty at some point. Yeah. So obviously that was that maneuver. Um, although he performed it, uh, obviously it didn't go as, I mean, it wasn't perfect. So I think that move was supposed to do what it did in either, in either sense. Like it was supposed to be somewhere they're go- both going, and then he boom, he hits it, and he goes over, and the guy doesn't have enough time to compensate, and he just runs into whatever he does that tail slide on. Uh, he happens to hit that thing, and, and dust comes out. So I, I think the the outcome was the same, right, Mike? As far as you is is that what you're thinking? As far as yeah, what that what that move is supposed to do? Yeah, okay, I think so. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, definitely. Um, after Poe says his goodbyes, the rescuer, the rescued passenger, Sonara. Awakens. She's confused and disoriented. It says everything she owned was stolen by the pirates. Kaz assures her that she's safe and helps her get registered. Uh, go ahead and finish the mic and we'll talk about this. Here yeah. Again. Uh, he may have acted too hastily. Once alone, Sonara contacts Craig and Gore, the pirate gang's leader. While she and, and a crew were sent in to steal the Kowakian ape, a scheme that did not go as planned, this end result may have may be even better. Cragen orders her to blend in on the Colossus and an assignment will soon follow. Mm. So yeah, we've got uh, I, the intrigue building. So now the pirates who we know are working for the first order have a way in to, uh, into, into the Colossus. And I, uh, yeah. oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because when I, I watched it again and, some of that foreshadowing, she turns away as she's explaining to Kaz that she was on the survivor of her crew, kind of mm-hmm. giving the, the hint that she was lying. Um, one of the security droids uh, kind of approaches her in kind of a hostile type fashion. And uh, she hastily thanks Kaz and tells him that she needs some time alone. So kind of like some, some little hints there of uh, kind of her overall intentions and like you said you know, we find out that she is actually part of these pirates and they're like hey Craigan's like you said Craigan's like hey you're there let's see what we can do let's see what we can find out so um there's the setup right there that's what is happening with this Sonara character and I think uh next week it sounds like we might get more of what her purpose is or what she's going to do on the Colossus here as kind of another lookout or or whatever you want to call it Mike a spy uh for these pirates so uh, but like I said in the beginning of this, um, this episode, 
it has you know had some really great stuff in it. I mean, some it had at one point there was like a, the classic wipe you'd see in the, in the Star Wars movies. I thought that was really cool. Uh, some continuity stuff like um, I think it was uh, BB-8 kind of kicked uh, or pushed um, you know uh, Kaz onto the uh, onto on the ship, kind of like R2 does. So it just really kind of callback stuff like that. But for me, this episode probably one of the top, um, maybe the the best of this, like I said, short season so far. Um, so I, I kind of really enjoyed this one. Uh, any any final thoughts, Mike? No, I yeah, I mean, like I I thought it was a great episode. Um, I I really enjoyed it, obviously because Poe Dameron was there uh, hanging out for a while. Um, we finally got some fun adventure. I uh, and uh, and a little bit less, although mm-hmm. it was persistent, a little bit yeah. less of the sort of klutzy, um, three stooges type stuff going on with Kaz. Yeah, I expect yeah. that that stuff will um, dissipate, if not like disappear entirely in season two. I think that they'll mm-hmm. probably take that feedback um, from season one, and uh, he's a little bit too much Jar Jar sometimes. <laughs> um, and I'm That's sure that, I'm sure that yeah. the kids love it, but you can't. The thing with these shows is that you can have a mildly successful kids show, but it caps at a certain point. There's only so mm-hmm. much that you can do, and it also once that generation ages out of it, it disappears, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Kids these days have no idea who Dora the Explorer is and kids who watched Dora the Explorer didn't know who Blue's Clues were. Right. Like, and like, mm. those are extreme examples because we're talking about, me, yeah. but, yeah. but it's, it's when you, when your segment is that small, when you're dealing with, with a four or five year age range, um, not four or five years old, but like a year, an age range that's four or five years wide. Right. Um, that age range ages out of the show very quickly. Uh, it's you either have to constantly reinvent your show like Power Rangers, or you have to make your show relatable for adults mm-hmm. as well as kids, like something like Ducktales, um, or honestly, like Rebels and Clone Wars did. But right now, Resistance is very relatable for kids age 8 to 13. But it's not really going to hit with that many adults. And, and just anecdotally talking to friends and and, um, and and seeing what you guys say online in the community, um, that's that's totally the case. Everybody says it's a it's a well-made show. It's just not for me. I'm, I don't, I'm not necessarily enjoying it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that fact is, is making it, is going to make it a little bit difficult, difficult for this show to stick around unless they can fix that stuff up. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, I'll say this, um, Kaz hasn't slipped on or stepped in any poodoo yet, so mm. I think we're doing okay for now. But I get what you're saying. Not yet, um, not yet. <laughs> there's not a lot of beasts of burden on... on um, That's true, on the Colossus? On yeah. the Colossus. No, Look, if he was going to step in poop, this is the episode that it would have happened in, and he didn't. So, um, yeah. so let's say that they successfully learned from that mistake and, and avoided it. Um, yeah. But... Uh, but yeah, I'm like all that to say it, this, the show is getting better every week. It was it, the last week's episode was good. This week's episode was really good. Um, mm. The, the story is actually starting to go somewhere with, with Sonara. So let's see what happens with that. Um, something tells me that she's going to turn and end up being a good guy. But mm. I, I, I don't know. She might just be a straight up bad guy. I think they might play her off this season as kind of a, a like sort of like a like a black cat sort of to Spider Man, mm. you know, where it's sort of like, well, she's a bad guy, but she does kind of like the hero. Yeah. Right? So we'll see. We'll see how that Definitely. goes. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, well, yeah. it sounds like we're gonna find out pretty quick because uh, it looks like she's coming back next week. 
Yeah, yeah, she'll be back next week. Uh, here, let's we'll, here's the description for next week's episode. Sinara, Sinara's score. On a mission to repair a vital platform defense, Kaz befriends the mysterious Sinara and comes under attack by pirates. Jim Rash and Bobby Moynihan return as Flix and Orca. It's mm. in the description. It's in the episode description, <laughs> so you know they they're going to be. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I. Uh, so yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's going to be a good. It's going to be a good episode. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I, yeah. But this week's episode was was a really good one. So. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, so yeah, the show is, guess, is shaping up and it's building towards something. I think that that confirmation is all that I really needed. Uh, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is going somewhere. I'm not being hopeful. I'm not being unrealistic. Like it is actually building towards this thing. So, right, right. Yeah, definitely. That's it, man. Looking good. Good stuff. Cool. Good stuff. That's it for this week. That is it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars animation news by heading to Rebel Cells. Dot com. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rebels Podcast, as well as on Twitter at Rebels Podcast and on Instagram at Rebel Cells. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as ArcWolf, A R K W U L F, and uh, you can follow Matt at The Crankster. Uh, that's yes. Crankster with a K. Um, you guys know that we're a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other great podcasts in the network. And if you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways first by heading to store.thunderquack.com and picking up some awesome merch i look as far as i know our store is still the only place you can get a kanan jarris logo t-shirt so yeah i think you should go do it um Mm. we're just providing for the galaxy what uh what lucasfilm and disney have not but um (laughs) I, the other way to support us is by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack and kicking in over there with your monthly pledge. Uh, as little as a dollar gets you access to the Thunderquack podcast as well as the uh, exclusive Facebook group. And uh, and there's some other perks at, at higher levels as well. So I, I we appreciate everybody who does support us over yes. there. And you. Uh, you, you can do that too by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening, and we will be back next week with Sinara's score. Mm-hmm.